Hi everyone, Mike Pareda here, Welcome you back to the latest episode of the Limited Upside Podcast on SB Nation. We will get back to your regularly scheduled off-season team-by-team reviews shortly. Uh, we promised Kim fans we are coming for you. We've had some scheduling conflicts, but that will come shortly. But in the meantime, I was on vacation last week, and I missed one of the more interesting stories in Wizardsdom, which was the John Wall Bradley Beal drama. Uh, gonna have Ben jump on with me to talk about that, and a few other little items that I missed while I was gone last week. And we will talk about that. We will get back again to the team previews. We may do one or two teams before Sacramento, depending on schedule. But we promise again, Kings fans, we are not forgetting about you. We will get back to you as soon as we can. As a reminder, you can subscribe to the Limited Upside podcast on iTunes. Do note the new logo uh, designed myself. I hope you enjoy it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Limited underscore Upside. Leave us a review on iTunes. Leave us a rating. Hopefully it's a good one, but we really appreciate the feedback nonetheless. Uh, and you can also follow us, of course, on SBNation.com as well, as well as on a bunch of your other favorite podcasting platforms. But uh, without further ado, uh, I'm going to have Ben jump on and we're going to talk a little bit about this John Wall, Bradley Beal drama. Shut up and sit down. There may not be uh, not much going on, but uh, I enjoyed missing uh, one story while I was on vacation. Yeah, what was that? That was the uh, John Wall, Bradley Beal suddenly uh, have a tendency to dislike each other on the court. You didn't really miss it. You just you, you had to be around it, right? That's right. I didn't have I didn't feel the pressure to be like, oh, what do you think about this story? Or you know, I have to think about even thinking about it. I could just kind of be like, oh, okay, you know, I have to go look outside and see the beautiful you know skyline of Vancouver. Yeah, I can just forget about that. It's cool, but now I have to think about it. The words, by the way, the wording in this is is amazing. I don't. It's not even spin. I'm not even sure what it is, but oh no, it's not spin. Tendency to dislike each other on the court. It's like tendency. A tendency to do something is bad, right? But then the to dislike each other is just like a weird terminology. Like that. That feels like all encompassing in a way. And then on the court, so it's like you mean they. They don't like playing basketball with each right, other. What, your job. <laughs> so let's let's back up a little bit. So because we are a little late, kind of coming into this story. This happened maybe a week ago. The John Wall uh, gave an interview to CSN Washington, and one thing he said was he talked about sort of the weird divide that exists between him and Bradley Beal which I think a lot of people maybe who haven't followed this team for a long time, this is news to a lot of people. This is probably news to you that, like, hey, these two guys, like, maybe have some tension. And you can kind of tell by the way they they don't cohabitate on the court, but I, I don't know. I didn't really necessarily mean uh, or, or, or get from that that they don't like each other. It just didn't look like it worked necessarily all the time on the court they don't like each other let's be very clear the the place where it matters they don't like each other (laughs) right 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 but uh yeah so i guess 
this has sort of been it's a surprise I think to a lot of people because if you just think logically like you have the pass first point guard that is such a great playmaker and the sweet shooting two guard it should be a perfect fit but it has not been uh, and this is what John Wall told uh, CSN Washington uh, quote I think a lot of times we have the tendency to dislike each other on the court. Uh, we got to be able to put that to the side. If you miss somebody on one play or don't have something go right, as long as you come to each other and talk. If I start arguing with somebody, I'm cool. I'm just playing basketball. And then here's, I think, where this gets even more interesting. Uh, I, quote, now that you have your money, I assume he's talking about Bradley Beal, <laughs> you've got to go out there and improve your game. I want you to be an all-star just as much as I'm an all-star. We're playing like a tandem, like the other two superstars have played together as a backcourt, play as a tandem. One night's going to be his night. One night's going to be mine. Some night might be both of us. Those are nights it's going to be tough to beat us. Uh, And there's more. Bradley Beal had some thoughts on this as well. Uh, He said, quote, it's tough because we're both alphas. It's always tough when you have two guys who firmly believe themselves, who will bet on themselves against anybody else, who want to be that guy. We both can be that guy. Sometimes I think we both lose sight of the fact that we need each other. I wouldn't be in this situation I'm in without John. John wouldn't be in the situation he's in without me, without the rest of the team. It goes hand in hand, so it's kind of a pride thing. I kind of talks a little bit more what are what are their respective personalities if you know i think people in dc might have a better idea from interviews but from a national standpoint who who are these two from from an actual personality standpoint in your in your opinion yeah i mean to the extent that i would know obviously which is fairly limited i think wall is kind of more of an outgoing uh social active kind of person he kind of there's some there's some like kind of there's some downsides to that to a lot of people I'm sure but you know generally he is sort of one of those outgoing kind of connectors in in that way and Bradley Beal's kind of more of a homeboy and mm-hmm. so he's a little quieter a little bit more understated so already they're not yeah. kind of perfect matches personality wise which is okay I mean it does, you don't have to be uh, the problem though is that they do not seem to be on the court which um, and I think. Uh, Wall was saying, you know, he wants they've started to try to hang out a little bit more. He thinks that will help. He says he helped that helped with uh, his Kentucky teammates. Um, and with just some of the, the thinly veiled shots, I still think, even in these quotes, you know, I wanted to all, all to be on me. At the same time, I want him to be right there with me. He's my sidekick. I'm <laughs> A, he's A1, he's right there. Everything, the whole just like grading process, the way that he keeps putting like, you know, place markers next to him. Well, I'll be A, he'll be A1, whatever, it's fine. Like, what well, could, could you be right. A1 and maybe he'll be A? No, no, right. no. <laughs> or you could, yeah, or two A's. I mean, could, Alpha yeah, does start be, with A, doesn't it? Could we both be A's? <sighs> I'll sleep on it. Yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, it's, it's just a, there are two questions, I think, two related things that I think are important to talk about. Uh, one is what this means for the team and a related topic, which I think is a bigger, more interesting discussion from a national perspective is like kind of what I think that this is a sort of reflects, there's a this shows the crossroads of where John Wall's career is. And I think right. there are two, I think the two things, there's a lot that goes into the second part that doesn't really have to do with the wizards specifically, but I think kind of spills over here. I mean, what, what do you, what is the topic you're more interested in talking about first? Well, I, I just want to know what you think spills over, to be honest. I, I think I'd like to know where this projects a little bit more. So John Wall 
there there's been a lot that's happened with him recently. I think he came out and denied in a video with uninterrupted that he was kind of counting people's money, uh, which is obviously yeah. a kind of a big a big no no. Uh, and I think understandably. Uh, but I think the fact that he had to come out and deny it, I think, sort of is illustrative in a way. He's had a history of, I think, talking a little bit about his perceived lack of respect as a star. Uh, he is, you remember a couple years ago when I think he was commenting on the rising salary cap, uh, or maybe it was last year, and he was noting that, you know, Reggie Jackson makes the same amount of money as he does uh, right, because of right. the timing of their max contracts. And there's even a reference in this kind of quote with Bradley Beal that it's like now that you have your money, you got to go out there and prove your game. And I think, I think here money is sort of a proxy for respect because I think for a lot of reasons, I don't think Wall feels he's gotten the superstar respect he deserves. And I think there are a lot of factors that play into that. And so you know, one of the big factors that I think is not discussed so much is sort of the state of his shoe contract and his shoe situation. I think. This is something that fans don't really talk about a lot, but I think is a very important status symbol for superstars. John Wall, this, the history of his shoe situation, and you can kind of jump in whenever you want. Yeah, if you Google John Wall, if you Google John Wall, the first thing that comes up is stats, the second is shoes. So it's, it's a part of his identity. Go on. So for those who aren't, I'm going to try to summarize as best I can for people who yeah. maybe don't follow yeah. this world. Uh, he signed out of, uh, out of the draft he signed with Reebok, who was sort of not a big player in the shoe market. And we're kind of trying to use him, I think, to sort of propel them maybe back on there. You remember Reebok with Iverson was such a cultural icon. But right. other than that, they don't they never really had any second player. And I think you know, I remember going to a Reebok event that the uh, when Wall was drafted, you know, back in two thousand ten and kind of talking about what with some of their one of their shoe executives about kind of what they envisioned. And I think I think for them, this was sort of like, here's the closest thing to Iverson that we can kind of try to use this to propel us into a new world. And I think he signed a contract that technically paid him $5 million a year, but there were certain incentives that were revealed later that made it, it was really not close to $5 million Yeah, it was like 2.5-ish. Yeah, and there was some, I think there was a, one stipulation had to do with like winning Rookie of the Year, and he was the best 2010 rookie, but that was the year Blake Griffin kind of missed his first year and kind of stole the Rookie of the year, and so that cost right. him money on his shoe deal uh, per report. So, so this doesn't really work. His shoes don't really sell well. They don't really look good. They, there's even talk that they just they cause injuries. I, do you remember? I don't remember if you remember this. Yeah, the ankle thing, right? Right. So, I think maybe two or three years in, he Reebok has sort of kind of given up on being a basketball brand, and so they instead just kind of transfer all their basketball people over to Adidas, their parent company, and they start to focus on lifestyle. Uh, this maybe was two years ago. So Adidas basically picks up the terms of Wall's original contract. And, you know, Wall is now there with, uh, you know, Damian Lillard, uh, with Derek Rose, uh, with some of the other Adidas people, and his shoes just don't really perform that well. And, you know, you can talk for all sorts of reasons why. Maybe they didn't look good. I think part of it also was that he kind of got off to a slow start in his career, sort of surrounded by the Wizards' Looney Tunes. He's going to be in his, his seventh season. So he, he has played through, if you think about the last seven seasons of Wizards basketball, it's, it's a checkered mess, man. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going on. 
There's a lot going on there. We don't have time for that. We can dissect that on the Wizards podcast uh, about a month from now. Yeah. I mean, and also, I mean, it's not necessarily the seven years. It's sort of the first two and a half, three years, really. For sure. Sort of, for sure. We're sort of in that wasteland. And uh, also, he was injured, if you remember, in his third season. Missed a lot of that year. Yeah. And you've you've gone the entire time of talking about these two without mentioning Beal's you know, injuries. And I think that weighs on, on Wall also. He feels... He has to feel like at some points he might be playing through things that maybe Beal isn't. That has to be something that, that is on his mind as he sees a reoccurring scenario kind of play out season over season. What, what do you think about that? Oh, maybe. I don't, obviously, I don't know. I mean, what is clear is that Walt did play through injuries. I don't know how he feels yeah. about Beal's injuries, but it is a fact that he played through injuries. He had surgery on his both his knees, actually, and he's still recovering from that, which... Uh, may hold him out for the beginning of the season. Uh, so I think it's very clear he, he has talked openly about some of the injuries he has played through. So, yeah, I, I think some of that certainly plays into it. And, you know, just to, to, to tie the loop on the shoe deal, he when his contract is up and he is, has the right, when Adidas has right to match, as most shoe contracts, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, you have basically like a restricted shoe free agency year. Where the uh, and then after that, you know that's sort of where you have your most leverage because you can kind of really sh- shop around and then come back to where you currently are and say, "Here's the terms of what I want," and I match it. I mean, once you get to unre- it's kind of like taking the qualifying offer if you don't find a deal. I have no idea if there's a universal thing or if this is a contract by contract basis or company, but I, I don't know to be honest. But but I do know that his free agency is going is going to be a Nike. He's going to be a Nike athlete. Well, now he is a Nike athlete. Yeah, he is, that, right? Yeah, that okay. he is. Yeah. So, but he at signed. the time, I think he was he felt he valued his shoe brand much higher than Adidas did. And he looked around and he looked at the success of players like Kyrie Irving shoes and Lillard shoes. And this has sort of all kind of been reported and out there, but I don't know if this is something a lot of people follow. And I think he felt like he deserved to be paid a lot of money for his shoes and kind of really be marketed that way. And Adidas, noting how his shoes did not do particularly well, did not agree. And so in an unprecedented step, Wall just rejected all their offers and became a shoe-free agent. And Nice. You know, it was now, like Larry Bird for something. Yeah. You know, and but, and that that is not a good thing in shoes, by the way. You don't want to be – because you, you've killed your year of leverage. Yeah, but but the difference is, I don't know anybody who seeks out Adidas basketball shoes. So there's that. Well, maybe there's not. That. But even compared to other Adidas shoes, they were not selling. And I, I and you also have to remember the same summer that this happened, John, James Harden signed that massive deal, or maybe it was the summer after. I don't remember. Same that signed that massive Adidas deal. Uh, yeah, but but the, the way I look at it is, these other guys have other brand equity. They are much more public facing, even as you said that Wall is an outgoing dude, but like they're not in videos and dating celebrities in the same sense that he is or, or whatever you might say. Like their brands are Kyrie Irving is like Sprite and Uncle Kai Uncle whatever Uncle Drew Pepsi. Uncle Drew, Pepsi, exactly. And you know, he has um he played for Team USA this summer and won a gold medal. Um, but the there's a and same thing. Lillard is like actually a legit bona fide tremendous rapper and like has his own baby you know whatever he plays baby dame on the State Farm commercials. Like 
they have these national brands that they've already started to build, and I don't think Wall has anything close to that. And maybe I'm not sure if that's a chicken or the egg situation, but he has the market. I mean, DC basketball well, is you'd think would be a good place to. Is that what do you, you want to say something about well, that? Well, I, I that's the thing. I mean, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I think I think in response to all what you said, John Wall's point of view is why. Why don't why do I not have the brand cachet that those players have? I am just as good as them in the court, he could argue. I mean, he has taken, I would say, worse teams further. You know, uh, maybe. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, obviously Kyrie has kind of benefited from playing with LeBron, but until LeBron got there, Kyrie Lillard's who's 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 the best of those three? I I mean I think it differs year to year. I think that two years ago Wall was, and I think last year probably Lillard was, and then the playoffs Kyrie was. So you know, I guess it depends. But I I think Wall would say uh, that you know I've done more with less. You know, Kyrie needed LeBron to kind of make the playoffs and do what he does, and Lillard. Do do you think? Do you think when he says like? more with less like wit randy whitman standing like right next to him and he's like he does like the shoulder wink nod like i've done more with shoulder wink less yeah <laughs> i'm sure he does uh yeah where you know all these guys are dropping my passes and missing my threes and yeah i but i think this is a real this is a real thing that he is going he's thinking he's thinking why why not me you know where? Why? Why don't I have this brain cachet? He. Right. I remember in a there was a story on Yahoo where he was talking about you know I think it came across as sour grapes, but I think I understand where he was coming from. He was saying you know I don't really have any billboards in DC. You know where's uh where's my marketing? Like I yeah. think he looks that's how he looks at that, and that has really nothing directly to do with the Wizards. You know, yeah. and you have to. I also, you also have to say this. This may go back as well to kind of before he even played. You know, his second game, he was a very prominent then ESPN radio person was talking about how he danced and how inappropriate that was and all that stuff. He was labeled. Yeah, he was very much labeled, and I think, I think he would say that that probably tarnished, hurt his brand a little bit, and and so I think with the money, the money stuff, I think is sort of. You know, again, he has denied this, and I, I want to be fair to him and and kind of pointing that out. But I I do think that all of this is sort of well, rubs in with like sort of why where is my recognition uh, as being one of the better best point guards in this league, and I think that sort of does rub off on these comments a little bit, you know, and yeah. perhaps with how he looks at at Bradley Beal. Oh, uh, hey Talia, time's barking. Hey Talia, so I think. And I think that it's a it's a very interesting time in his life right now. I mean, I, this is a guy, by the way, that once admitted to kind of basically having a notes tab in his phone that he kind of marked as motivation from yeah. pretty much everybody. So, you know, this is someone who I think feels disrespected in some ways, and I think yeah, he's he's like Arya. It's a Game of Game of Thrones reference. I, I do not watch Game of Thrones, but that sounds about right. People will get that. I'm, yeah, that's the important thing. Uh, now I just I kind of reveal myself to be a square. So thank you. Uh, it's <laughs> weird, right? Like, Mike, you're such a nerd for not watching this movie. This like sort of science fictiony medieval times movie about show about dragons. I know how, how, how the cool tables now. have turned. I know it's amazing. I love it. Yeah, so I that's sort of to me that's like how I'd lay out this whole. I think there's a lot going on with with Wall right now, and I think frankly also he didn't. Ha- I they didn't make the playoffs last year. 
Uh, you look around at that team, and you know Bradley Beal is kind of his number one help at this point. They're they've made they missed on Durant. They never really got him this help. I think he has been critical of fan base sort of lusting after Durant and sort of the lack of fan support that he perceives. So there's a lot of that going on. I just think it's one of those situations where all this is playing into his head and is sort of affecting uh, a lot of what he's saying and doing. I think it's necessary context to understanding kind of why these comments and why this issue is actually sort of important. All right. Well, that's that's Wizards summer basketball talk. I mean, there is also an interesting discussion to be had about, like, how the next discussion is, like, so what do they do to fix it? And, like, is this actually a good thing that they're talking about it? I don't know. What do you think about that? I I don't think it's good to have this be a public thing ever. I never think it's good to let this get out of the, you know, locker room, so to speak. Um, but I also think that – I also think it's fixable because there are games – in theory, someone as good as driving and kicking his wall should should work well with a really good shooter. You'd think that they'd be able to figure out the space together on a basketball court. They're both young. They're both athletic. It, you think it would make sense from a basketball standpoint way more than it does. They they should complement each other better. But I do think there is um, a little bit of that Chris Paul alpha in Wall's head that might be holding him back that actually propels Chris Paul, does that make any sense at all? I mean, I think sometimes you could argue it may hold Chris Paul back. It it certainly does in in certain certain situations. Yes, um, for sure. And I I think they have that similar alpha point guard mentality that might not necessarily amplify other players at the right moments or or specific players. Like the whole way that the the Clippers play without – uh, without Chris Paul sometimes in the lineup or, or when one of their three is down per se is, is really crazy. But with, with the Wizards, they need both these players. They don't have enough talent elsewhere. And that's what makes this so interesting. Like if they don't get the production they like or if this thing doesn't really work, then they're starting over with one of them. And then they're starting over. And then and maybe with none won. of them. And maybe with none of them. That's right. And, and, and the clock is ticking too because Wall is, I think, three years away from uh, his free agency. The Wizards are capped out now. In fact, there was a story on Bulls Forever that was noteworthy that I think a lot of people should pay attention to, which is they basically lack the ability to do the, one of those extension and re-signs that the Houston Rockets did with Harden and the Thunder did with Westbrook for the foreseeable future. You know, they're probably not going to be able to do it unless it's huh. clear a lot of room until Wall is actually a free agent, which I think is actually very... I mean, we'll see what the new cap is and what the new rules are, obviously. I'm just saying under the current rules. I think that unless the rules change, that is potentially fairly significant. Uh, And so the they've got to figure this out. And it is very odd how they don't seem to amplify each other. I have some interesting stats. Would you like to hear them? I'd I'd love to. I know that I've now just touched a a chord here, so let's go for it. Okay, so over the last two years, this is all from the uh, very fun stat site, NBAWowie.com. It's basically a way you can kind of isolate how a player does or a team does with certain combinations of players on and off the court. It's uh, really cool. This is over the last two years, including playoffs. With uh, John Wall in the game, Bradley Beal's true shooting percentage is just under 52 with, Brad, with John Wall out of the game, Bradley Beal's true shooting percentage is just under 55. So there is huh. a three-point difference on the positive ledger when Wall is out of the game for Beal. 
Okay. Uh, and I think if you dig it a little bit deeper, what really happens is that with while out of the game, Beal actually gets to handle the ball a bit, get to the basket, right. create right. closer shots, better Whereas shots. Whereas with Wall in the game, the offense is running through John Wall, and he Bradley Beal is mostly spotting, is doing much more spotting up or kind of running off screens, and so he's not getting to the basket as much. Yeah, it makes sense. Of course, there's this other very important stat that I think. Bradley Beal should understand, which is that when the two of them are on the court together, they are plus 5.5 per 100 possessions. And when just Beal is in the game, they are minus 6.5. This is over the last <laughs> two seasons. Almost more importantly, that stat right there. Right. <laughs> so while Beal may be performing better, the team is not. And, you know, they're, that makes sense. And Mike, that's why he's A1. Right, and not a 1A. <laughs> <laughs> not a 1A. Not a 1A. And you never will be. Not on the Wizards. Yeah. So that, oh, I man. thought that was interesting. I, I didn't realize the gulf was quite so big there. Well, we'll see how it plays out. Um, let's do a quick rundown of some other topics that, that are happening in the league. Because there's one interesting one that caught my eye real quick, which was Sacramento Kings signing Ty Lawson to a one-year deal. It's just yeah. like the idea of Ty Lawson and Cousins and and and... I love it. I, I think it's great. I, I love the how interesting the Sacramento Kings continuously are just as <laughs> franchise. And this is just like another touch of genius putting a, a troubled player with alcoholic tendencies in his career. Bad uh, ones, uh, well, which have yeah. derailed, his, derailed his career. Um, in a, tendencies in a, is an interesting word you've used there. Uh, I'm, hey, tendencies is the word of the day. It's my favorite way of saying something without saying anything, apparently. <laughs> right um in this political season, tendencies is going to be the oh, word. Okay. So, so um, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that? And does that actually help uh, the Kings? I kind of am in a prove-it situation with Lawson. Uh, you know, it did sound like he sort of stayed out of alcohol trouble last year, reportedly, but his production was so down. It really didn't work in Houston. And frankly, it was pretty bad in Indiana, too, once he got there. You could argue that his stretch where he was in during that game five that was really tight was what cost the Pacers the game and the series, you know, when he was running the show and he just yeah, looked kind of sure, done. Sure. And the burden is on him to show that he's not. And we'll, we'll have a, we'll, we promise Kings fans, we will get to you, uh, your team shortly. And we can talk more about this with our Sacktown royalty crew. We're coming up with that. Uh, but I, they have the worst point guard situation in the league, so it's a really good situation from that perspective for Lawson. They basically only have Darren Collison as competition, and Collison has his own domestic abuse charges that are not particularly great. Uh, not that they would even be anything close to that, but that <laughs> that is a situation kind of on you know out there. So uh, Lawson will have his chances. I, I really have no idea how this is supposed to work with sort of a post-up player like DeMarcus Cousins, but I kind of feel that way about the entire roster. So uh, we'll see. I mean, it's a good place for Lawson to go. I, I, I have very low expectations, though. Yeah, I'm getting more and more interested in that swapping pick situation the Sixers could have with them next season. I think that might be a possibility. Yeah, it we'll, could be. We'll see. It yeah, it's going to be we'll interesting. See. We'll talk more about the Kings, though, with uh, our Kings people. A lot, of, a lot of interesting stuff riding on that team right now. That'll be an upcoming upcoming podcast. Yeah, Lots to talk about with one of our most passionate uh, communities on SB Nation. Um, okay, let's see what else. Nuggets traded uh, Laverne uh, to the Thunder for two second rounders. Does that help the Thunder? Is he going to crack the lineup? I feel like they have a, a lot of power forwards now, too. 
Yeah, I'm not sure he will. Uh, didn't Adam, our friend Adam predict this sort of move? On, yeah, he, did. he said the, they were going to get uh, rid of one of them. He thought they were going to get rid of one of them, and so they did. Yeah, yep. I, I, the Thunder have like a zillion big guys. I wonder if they're good. This maybe makes it more likely that NS Cantor gets traded at some point because they need they need wing help. I mean, they have up front. They've got it's funny they trade a and they suddenly have a zillion big guys. They've got Stephen Adams. They have Cantor. They have Ilyasova. They now have Laverne. They have a. Uh, Sabonis, who they drafted, and meanwhile they are very thin on the wing. Uh, so you know it's funny how many teams that sort of kind of fit that mold. We, two, our two favorite teams really fit that mold: the Sixers and the yep. Wizards. You know, very overloaded up front, very thin on the wing. Uh, so you know, Laverne has shown some signs in limited minutes. Maybe it'll help the Thunder a bit. It's sort of like kind of this is what passes for news in August type of move. That's uh, feels like it, but it's also one of those things where. I know the second round picks don't really mean anything, but I think I think that Joffrey Laverne's not a bad player. I think he could make sense on some other team and actually help them. Like I'd like to see him maybe go out to like Portland or something like that somehow. Um, but we'll see. Um, one uh, one of the other things we wanted to mention was this crazy story that uh, Craig Sager got. I, th- I believe it's his third bone marrow transplant. It's um, great for him. Thanks to an anonymous donor. That is some incredible stuff. I, I think that. That's the type of inspirational, hopeful things for a, a truly good person. And I really – I I love Craig Sager. I think he's one of those people who like – if you like sports and you've, you've watched sports, you feel like this is someone who um, who actually is a good person, who, who, love, who loves the games for the right reasons, et cetera, all those cliches. But the time I met him outside the Barclays Center and pointed him in the right direction, he was so nice. And he took the subway to get there in Brooklyn, which I always appreciate. Um He's a tall, tall dude. Sticks out. Yeah, he, that's it's great. Uh, he didn't look so great in the prelims when he worked, so I hope this works well for him. Yeah. Uh, we will see. Yes. Uh, and then the last thing I want to talk about, I have some – I think this was great. I, you know, Again, I was on vacation last week. I went to Seattle and Vancouver. Yes. Uh, actually recording this while wearing a Sonic shirt. <laughs> uh, like I had to fit in. Uh, but I was off the internet, and then I returned home on Sunday, and I'm watching the VMAs, and – this Russell Westbrook commercial comes on, and I was I was totally blown away by this. And I guess this was something that was discussed the previous week. So, in case you haven't seen it, Jordan Brand has this new commercial where Russell Westbrook is basically dribbling the length of the floor as if it's sort of an airplane runway, and you hear this airplane music kind of coming in the background. Um, and then he kind of is running towards it, and then he kind of reaches the free throw line, and he's kind of just jumping into the void as if he's taking off like a plane. Right. Yeah, it's so, pretty cool. And it's a little 20. But then at the very end, in this very deep voice, the uh, voiceover goes, some run, some make runways. And that's the punchline, and that's it. Yo, and then he dunks it. It's, it's awesome. Because when he first takes off, it's just this endless sky in front of you, like no country for old men. And then as he says that, it focuses back, and there's a backboard that he, that he, that he dunks on as he, as he has that powerful comment about, I don't know who he's talking about. Oh, I wonder. I, I, I think he's talking about, <laughs> let's see, let me look at some of his teammates that uh, left this year real quick. Uh, I think he's I think he's talking about Serge Ibaka, but he got traded. That was, that'd was be kind of yeah, weird. Yeah, it wasn't really Serge's. Yeah, oh, let well, me think. Hold on. Let me look at their roster real quick from last year. It isn't the guy, whoever it is, isn't he a Nike guy too, though? Like, is oh, Nike it's Kevin Durant. That's the That's one. Right. So, 
but anyhow, I thought it was interesting. It's a cool commercial. It's a good spot. I, I'm, I like it a lot. Um, I'd like for them to be advertised with Vox or whatever, but it's cool. Uh, on this Nike Jordan brand thing, I think one thing that has often been the case is that uh, Jordan brand has sort of felt a little bit at times like the younger brother of Nike. And so hmm. I, I do you think want, so? I, yeah, I think there's a little bit in the of basketball that world. No, though, I, I always thought that like Jordan brand had quality AAU programs. They had good, really good high school programs. They were kind of like a badge of honor that teams wanted to wear Jordan because it was like the the top the the more fitting brand of like the better quality teams. Right, but compared to Nike, everyone's kind of a, a you know tiny. But they are Nike. That's the thing. They're yeah, just... but I I think I think they're maybe a little bit of like kind of Nike themselves, sort of kind of using thinking of them as sort of the minor, the B brand. And I, I wonder if some of this maybe is Jordan brand itself sort of making a statement to Nike. I you know I I don't know, but this is sort of there are a lot of layers to this. Yeah, there is. What I what I found especially interesting about this is that I think we talked about this when Durant left. We talked about how this is a great narrative, and there's sort of this sub world of. These are the stories that the soap opera kind of delivers, and then this is reality. And right. they're not necessarily the same thing. And yet now you have a, a company that's working on Russell's behalf. Uh, I'm sure if Russ didn't feel this way or thought this was inflammatory, you could have squashed this. And they're using sort of the myth-making kind of soap opera element of it to kind of promote this view of them. I, I think it's impossible to deny that the Duran is a – target of this i mean what why else would you say that obviously he is it's yeah, fine of course he that's is. the whole point of it sell some shoes are you are you a westbrook guy or a durant guy i'm gonna buy those shoes and then all of a sudden everyone's got them but here's the interesting thing does, does this mean then that westbrook really is super mad at durant and feels that his his express he needs to respond back in this commercial or is this all marketing and this is all just kind of the players and the brands themselves playing into the soap opera nature of the league he should be. Like he should be mad at him. He, all of this is proper. The reason they can do this stuff is because it's excusable. Because it's like the way it should be. And that's the way I look at it. Like you don't, you don't. This isn't an attack ad. That is a that is called pirate advertising. That is Nike helping Nike. That is building two people's brands who are fine with both their brands being built. That's the Thunder who might be a 500 team being on national television a lot and still being super interesting because Russell Westbrook. That's true. Now, as a fan, do you care that if it's authentic or not? Do you care that it's sort of a brand kind of building hype? No, I don't at all. I love it. I, I love the personality. I think what makes the NBA the NBA is that we like the people, that we know these guys. We feel like they're the ones in front of the cameras and the ads that, that, the, that LeBron and even now Carmelo but um, uh, and Chris Pauls, you name it. Every commercial for every big brand from, from auto to insurance, uh, if we're going to go from that angle, uses NBA players. They're very marketable and personable. And – um, and it's not a helmet sport, but that's a whole other, you know, the ideas of, of, of sports marketing. So these guys we identify with and, um, you know, I, I find it, I find it totally, totally fine for the brands to, to help these guys personalities through their situation. That's totally fine. You have to play uh, with the hand you're, you're dealt, uh, if you will. I mean, look at the Peyton Manning, um, plays now into his retirement theme in all of his commercials that he has nothing to do and has coupons you know what i'm saying like you, they they are aware of the current culture and and what's going on in with with their athletes and they play into it 
I, I think that's true, but then I also think that maybe then it's sort of disingenuous when you hear an athlete say, you know, understandably that he kind of doesn't like that he's kind of viewed as more of a symbol and sort of this is a soap opera rather than this is who I really am. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, yeah, isn't yeah, it sort yeah. of like, isn't there sort of a cognitive dissonance there, I guess is what I'm saying. I, I, I can't disagree, man. I, I mean, yeah, I understand what you're saying. I frankly find it fine too. Like, I mean, there's a little part of me that's like, oh, these are just brands selling me shoes. This is what it really is. And like, that's sort of annoying and weird. But at the end of the day, like I was already, I'm already kind of projecting like kind of, this very idea of a rivalry now between Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook onto reality, whether how much reality is, I don't know, but it's already out there. They're just kind of taking the sentiment and kind of using it to sell shoes. But it is sort of interesting though, that if Westbrook were to have said, you know what? Like, I don't like being this villain. I don't like kind of this image of me. Like I want you to market something that's wholesomely me. I don't want to kind of create this manufactured drama with Durant. If he did felt that way, then this commercial probably wouldn't have happened. And so, you know, maybe this means that they, it sounds like there really is some animosity there. And, but yeah. at the same time, then they can't necessarily turn around. I think it would be disingenuous to turn around and say, well, you guys don't really know how I feel about Kevin. I, I love him like a brother or something. And, but actually, I'm making commercials about how he ran, you know, and I, I didn't. Do you right. know what I mean? Like, I, I right. just think it's sort of talking out of both sides of your mouth a little bit. Right. No, it is. But we'll see how it plays out once the season starts and, and the games begin and Westbrook puts on, a, hopefully puts on a show and, and creates his own kind of uh, forget, sort of what he did two years ago when it was like, hey, don't mind the team's performance is subpar. I'm phenomenal because um, I think that could be, but I think, I think they will be better personally. You know how I feel about that. Uh, we already, we've already been over that. Um, let's see. You mentioned that you were in Seattle. I wanted to kind of end with this because you yeah. sent me a video from a fan experience of a lifetime. Um, <laughs> take me, take me through, take me through your uh, Seattle Sounders experience. I saw Key Arena. It's still there. Uh, by it's the beautiful. way, it's totally absurd that that market doesn't have an NBA team. It just really of course. Is. And it's funny. I, so I went to um, I, I went to the Sounders Timbers rivalry game, the first of the two, the one that Clint Empty played in. And, you know, I, I didn't really know what to expect. We were kind of just, my wife and I were kind of just hanging out at a bar beforehand. And it turned out it was a bar near where they do that famous march to the arena. Uh, and so we kind of jumped in there and got flared and sang songs and looked like kind of really out of place there. And there's a video I have of where the kind of the, the what's it, the fire gas that they put up there is sort yep. of like kind of in the air. And it looks like, looks like I'm in somewhere far less safe. Uh, but I was not. Uh, so it just struck me, though. What's, going, what's their fan base called? What do they? What do the Sounders call themselves? The the fan base there. I don't think they do. They have a name. I don't know. Does doesn't everyone have like their their like supporters group name, if you will? Um. Yeah, I mean, you, I guess you were I guess walking with them. Yeah, I don't know if they really have a the uh, just a supporter group. Okay, fair. I, fair. What, I mean, maybe. Maybe there's something that I don't know and I should know. But um, it struck me though that like. Part of the reason soccer is so big in that area, I think, is that there's no basketball team and that there's yeah. fewer teams to spread their fan passions because that is a that is a sports city that like I mean of all the cities I've been to, I've seen I saw so many kind of sports uniforms and Mariners caps and Seahawks gear and Sounders gear, you know, around that city. Well, Mariners just, are solid this year and the Seahawks are very good. So there true. is that and the Sounders have been one of the best fran- well they're bad this year but they've been one of the historical best franchises in, in the MLS 
No, that's true. But I, I think Seattle also has a great history as well. Uh, and Seattle, and the Mariners generally so have uh, Seattle Sonics, I should say. The Sonics had a pretty good history. And this the Mariners have been pretty bad for a while. I mean, I know yeah, they're, for a they're long doing time. better this year, but they're still not a playoff team yet, right? Or am I wrong? They're, they're right fighting. around the wild card. Yeah, they're, they're fighting for it. I just wonder that why this is this is a, this needs a basketball team and it's still kind of amazing that the NBA decided that and to approve a move from this huge sports crave meat market into Oklahoma City which at the time was really a very small place and you see small markets in a lot of places i mean see Sacramento Utah Memphis and New Orleans and right. you see a lot of big markets that don't have teams i mean another one really is Vancouver I mean, Vancouver yep. had a yep. team. It was mismanaged. But, I, you know, I think Vancouver probably has more of a claim to just as a city as a sports team than some of the teams that have teams. And you, it just hit me seeing just how passionate Sounders fans are. Maybe they would be anyway. But I, I suspect that some of that passion comes from the fact that there are fewer teams and there are fewer places that kind of spread their fan passion around. Plus, as you know, the crossover between soccer and basketball fans that we've kind of embody. For sure, for sure. There's other things at play too, though. That there is, um, okay. There's a couple. There's a massive college there. There's UW. Mm-hmm. So there's young young people who to get into soccer is a good thing. There's also the like technology boom, urban sprawl of um, of of the like Amazons and um, Starbucks's and whatever you'd call it, uh, Microsoft, all the Seattle companies that have like this extension into the world of, of Seattle now. It's an incredible city. It Nordstrom's. is like Nordstrom's. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's this amazing, vibrant city. And and there's also like it's very multicultural and multiracial, and that all leads to a. All that we just talked about, younger, more interested in the next sport, more aware of maybe that football is killing people, although they love the, they love Seattle I was uh, say. Seahawks. <laughs> they love they love the Seahawks. Well, there maybe they're different fan bases. I don't know, or maybe there's just lots of sports fans and young people. But there's also the idea though, that like soccer is catching on and it is popular in the cities that have MLS teams. The, the games well, do some well. Of that, some of them. Some of them, and success I is certainly, important too. Certainly in the northwestern. Pacific Northwestern cities. I love when they talk about um, when they talk about like, like Timbers and um, Sounders rivalry. They're like, it's been one of the longest, most bloody rivalries in MLS history since since two thousand and and eleven. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like five I mean, years old. It, it really was though. I mean, like the, the, they opened up the entire Seahawks stadium. Usually, with most Sounders games, they only open the lower bowl and they see like three. They're somewhat one of the season ticket holder, very nice season ticket holder that we were sitting next to that was talking explained a lot of this to me. Uh, Got it. And but for this game, they opened it up all the way, and there was like fifty five thousand people there. I mean, oh, that's, that's like a, that's, that's legit. Yeah, that's a legit like Premier League crowd at that point. That's that's bigger than any Premier League stadium. I think Old Trafford might be around that, but that's fifty five thousand is huge. It was something like fifty three thousand, uh, something along those lines. Anyway, it was it was a really fun experience. I, I never really experienced any sort of rivalry in that sport like that, and it was just. But it, it it couldn't help but think that a lot of these soccer fans would also be basketball fans, and not that you have to pick and choose your sport necessarily. But I think the Sonics would have so much support if they were still there. I agree, and they should, and they hopefully they will get a team uh, at some point before like London does. Um, it, I was wrong. Old Trafford seventy five thousand. Uh, Emirates with Arsenal is sixty. 
Same thing with the new Olympic Stadium, 60, and the Etihad, where Men's City plays, is 55,000. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, that's those are the biggest stadiums in the EPL, but yeah. But those are also the top EPL stadiums. Yes, and those are always packed with that many people, though, which is the other thing. Like, that's... Right. Um, so that anyhow, and that for another tale. But um, cool, cool. I'm glad your experience in 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 the whatever the supporters of the Seattle Sounders are called was 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 a good was a good one. Um, and that Hillary and yourself were were able to make it through the smoke cloud because it, it was like a haunted house. Is what it, it was. Like. It was a pretty big smoke cloud, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, she <laughs> nice. even she's a little skeptical when I was like, "Yeah, we kind of have to do this. This is what <laughs> people in Seattle do before the game." But she had a good time. It was great. Yeah. Now the other thing Fantastic. I'll say though is that as as fun as Seattle. Was, Vancouver was on another level as a city. Oh yeah! Like I think any anyone listening, if you haven't been to Vancouver, try to find a way to get out there in the Man. summer. It is so beautiful, and there's a lot to do. It is a great food city, and it's just great. You talk about all the qualities you talked about with Seattle, with its diversity and uh, urbanism, and you know cosmopolitanism. Is Vancouver is much more than more so fits the bill. Not to say Seattle doesn't, but Vancouver is on another level. Nice. Yeah, so that's we both had, you know, when I was in Montreal, I came back with a similar just like this place is amazing. So maybe maybe Canada's not uh, so bad. No. That's a bridge we'll cross if we need to. <laughs> I don't want to Well, hopefully there's no wall in front of that border. The northern border to too? No. <laughs> not the northern border. Um, all right, but uh another time. Um Cool. So I guess we'll have some some team podcasts coming coming at uh coming everybody soon. We're gonna do the Kings. We're gonna do the Bucks. Uh, look for those in the upcoming week or so. Um, always, of course, look for us. I'm sure we'll do a little preface to this at the beginning that Mike will throw in. But on SoundCloud uh, and, and iTunes and Stitcher, we're still there. Uh, please subscribe, rate, review, all those good things. Limited upside um, on Twitter. Limited underscore upside. Also, all those things. We have a new logo. And we have a new logo. It's Mike. Mike made that. It's pretty pretty good i doodled up in photoshop so if it's bad please uh understand this was like one of my first times using photoshop and uh so it's pretty good give me some slack but i think it's a lot better than the one we had uh please send feedback and we appreciate all your reviews by the way uh thank you all for listening to the seth rosenthal Knicks podcast while i was that we again recorded beforehand but posted while i was gone and it was probably our biggest podcast as we predicted <laughs> at the, during the show it was our biggest podcast and we appreciate the reviews yeah shout out to all the people in Australia listening I don't know why but we got a lot of people in Australia listening and we appreciate that so thank you they enjoy coming down under with us yeah I mean that's where we go with our limited uh, limited upset 